On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Grindhouse Girls friends and fam. The year is 2005, and director Koji Shira Ishii just released his new movie, a found footage mockumentary horror film. Premiering in Japan, the movie very rarely had international screenings and didn't even have a release date in the U.S. until 2020. However, when there's the internet, there's a way. Despite not having a wide international release, the movie's reputation grew and grew with internet chat boards and online forums and even a dedicated fan who uploaded the film again and again on YouTube in its entirety. With new fans stumbling upon it, the film slowly gained an underground popularity, leading streaming horror service Shudder to buy the rights. That's right, we are doing Norai the Curse, so sit back and don't go visiting Shinto shrines in the middle of the night. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Nicholas Ryan Moody. How are, how are how are you doing, Brett? I'm I'm and okay, all. Katie. Have you been have you have you been doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, just chillaxing, relaxing all day, maxing. Anyway, <laughs> I was like, I can't remember exactly how that goes, but you know, um, trying to catch up on Oscar movies. Although I'm not doing the, I feel like I'm behind. Um, but how how what have you been doing? Uh, I am trudging my way for Oscar films. As you know, the Oscars have been my thing since I was like seven years old. Uh, and yeah, I'm a little obsessive, um, especially because nominations haven't been announced. They're going to be announced in February. I think this may be the first year of my life I'll see all 10 Best Picture nominees before they're announced. I think this may be the year. Hopefully. That, unless there's yes, an outlier. Yes, that won't be running. Yeah, unless there's like, unless like they do, um, like Drive My Car happens to get, like, unless there's like a foreign film that gets nominated for Best Picture, I feel pretty confident right now, so. I feel like we're not going to have that because the only ones that have gotten nominated in past years have been things that were either available on streaming services like Roma or mm-hmm. were so popular they went on regular Western um, cinemas like Parasite. So I'm kind yeah. of, I mean, it'd be nice. I think Amore too was pretty popular. It wasn't like underground. Yeah. Got nominated, Amore, but. I did get to see, I think I told you this before, but I saw Amore, um, it was the last movie nominated for Best Picture I mm-hmm. saw that year. And I saw it the night before the Oscars premiered. So I saw it Saturday night before Oscars came on Sunday. And I was devastated. I still haven't seen too? that movie. The Father? Was the Father the last one you watched? 
Which is it finally this streaming. Year. It's on yes. Stars right now, so I will watch it. I just didn't want to get completely depressed. Um, yes, so. it was. And you know what's funny? <laughs> I did that. I did that the year before with Ford versus Ferrari. We watched Ford versus Ferrari the night before the Oscars premiere. I have so. absolutely no interest in that movie. I was like, that it was does better. not appeal to me. I'm it sure it's good. I, I just thought. don't care. It was a lot better than I, I... That's the thing I will say about watching the Oscars religiously is that it's gotten me out of my comfort zones with more movies than <laughs> like normally. I'm like, I have no interest in this movie whatsoever. And then I'll watch it and be like, wow, that wasn't that bad. Except for The Irishman. I did not like The Irishman. I just I will it. say, I... Okay, so I think we both watched all the ones I'm going to mention. Um, but I did watch The Last Duel, which I was vehemently opposed to watching when I saw the trailer because it looked god awful and that's why mm. I didn't see it and I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna risk getting COVID for the last duel I'm sorry Can, I, Candyman Green Knight last so night in Soho I almost said last Paris in Soho last night in Soho <laughs> like I was like okay Tatan Lamb all right um, but I was like, no, that looks terrible. And then I did watch it. It's streaming on HBO Max right now. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not as bad as the trailer. I think it's decent. I wouldn't say it's earth shattering at all. Yeah. But it's a little lazy, in my opinion, because nobody can pick. And I already told you the sprit because it was bothering me. But you were about to watch it, so I didn't want to keep texting you about this. But some people speak in a British accent. Some people speak in a standard American, some people speak in a French accent, and some people speak in a Scottish accent. And it's supposed yeah. to take place in 1300s France. Oh, and then they're singing songs in French. Like, it, make a choice, Ridley Scott. Damn, you're old enough in the game. You should be able to make a damn choice. Sorry. Very yeah, fun. and I... I will say that we, um, I watched it because I, I was messaging you about because you're like, no, that trailer looks horrible. And I'm like, but it actually has a higher Rotten Tomato score than a lot of the best picture hopefuls do. Um, we watched it and I was really impressed by Jodie Cromer. Uh, she was the best oh, part I'm of the movie. Oh, I'm a big fan of her. Oh, she I love so Killing good. Eve this and the White Princess and like, yes. I have been, an, she, she's won Emmy and Golden Globe for Killing Eve, I do believe. Um, she's amazing. Awesome. So I was like, she was oh, so good. I like her and Adam Driver. Yeah, and they actually fit in that period. I feel like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck stick out like sore no. thumbs. Just my opinion. Also, um, the script. Ben Affleck has bleach blonde hair, and his haircut yes. is god awful. It's hilarious. I'm waiting for more. <laughs> I'm waiting bad. for the more Alf Affleck memes from this movie. Um, the mm -hmm. script was a little convoluted, but I did like the kind of Rashomon appeal of like the three different viewpoints. Um, it was pretty. Um, I think Ridley Scott does epic dramas decently. It's just like, I think Gladiator kind of broke the mold. And then you're also like, but he also directed Thelma and Louise. So he does have impressive resume. It's just his movies are, yeah. you know, he has the ones that are really, really good. The ones that are lackluster. And this one fell somewhere right in the middle. It wasn't phenomenal, but it wasn't completely yeah. awful either. So, And I don't think people didn't see it because they're millennials. I think people, the trailer looked bad. Yeah. It, the trailer it was not good. good. And trailer. honestly, I haven't seen House of Gucci yet. But he's very hit or miss for me. I did not like, yeah. I don't like Blade Runner. 
I thought Prometheus and Alien Covenant were uh, beautiful looking, but really mm-hmm. confusing plot wise. He didn't seem to know what he wanted out of it. But I really love Alien. I love. There's yeah. a Gladiator too. What? No, there's not. That's got to be a lie. <laughs> Gladiator two script is finished. Confirms Ridley Scott. What the hell? Oh, okay. We don't need a Gladiator two. Crow's agent offered the option of Gladiator 2, revealing that Maximus never really died, but was oh instead just pretending. Literally, okay, we're, we're in a movie that came out 21 years ago. The movie literally ends with him reuniting with his wife and son in the afterlife. So what in the heaven. actual fuck? Oh <laughs> my god. Um, another thing on HBO Max that I watched, and I... Love so much, I cried. It moved me to tears and inspired me. Uh, was the eyes of Tammy Faye? I fucking so love that good. movie. It Which I know really, you already really talked good. about it, but uh, I really like Tammy Faye. And I got a shout out to Fundy Fridays, the YouTube channel, because they did. She did. Jen did a couple um, episodes on the Bakers, and uh, Jim Baker, in my opinion, is a fraudulent shyster. But Tammy Faye, honestly and truly was a good person. She embraced the LGBTQ plus community and AIDS patients when it was like really controversial. She embraced like, like, uh, like things that were not like, you know, quote unquote conservative Christian. And she just loved everybody. And I just think she was a shining beacon of hope when she was alive. And you don't get to say that about a lot of Christian people that are on television. So to me, I like her a lot. And I think Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield and the whole cast were phenomenal. It looks like like you just walked into that time period. Um, they did yeah. such a good job with aging them and with the costumes and matching everything. I mean, it helps that they were on television for, like, most of their lives. So it's easy to do that. But I thought it was really good. And I, I really liked, uh, I think Jessica Chastain did a really great job singing and matching her voice like Tammy Faye's. And uh, it was really good. And it will make you, like... It's, it's very happy. I, I don't like that they didn't show, like, her thriving after the divorce, because she did. She came back and had her own, like, 90s talk show and was just super cool. But, you know, I get why they ended it where they did. And it was sweet, and the music's really good, and it's it has some dark parts, but it generally was a pretty positive watch. They were maybe not yeah. negative enough towards Jim Baker, but I think they were trying to be more about, like, how Tammy saw him and not how the world saw him. Because they, they hinted at what he did. But they didn't yeah. really, like, go too far into it. And I think it was more of, this is the eyes of Tammy Faye. Through Tammy's eyes, she didn't want to be married to him anymore. But she also didn't want to think he wasn't able to be saved or whatever in the end, I think. I don't know. He's telling people yeah. to drink colloidal silver to cure COVID now. So... I don't really yeah. uh, think he's that great of a person, in my opinion. Yeah, he's on Twitter, too, which is just fascinating <sighs> to me because he's very elderly. And I'm like, what the hell? He's supposedly mm. selling, like, milk kits or something for Armageddon. Because <gasps> now he's, like, oh, one of those no. rapture preachers. Okay, this is because I watch Fundy Fridays on YouTube. If you are as obsessed with fundamentalism as I am, like, in the, like the Duggars and all that, like, the psychology of people being in these kinds of 
communities just absolutely fascinates me. Also, you know, I grew up Catholic, so reli- I, I don't feel like I was religiously traumatized, but I get where people are coming from when they say they were. Fundy Fridays did a whole thing on him when they did the bakers. And so he's not technically selling the meals because then he would have to be taxed. You donate money to his cause and then he'll give them to you as a gift so you can escape being taxed. So it's even grosser than you think it is. But I thought, I actually did not know a lot about Tammy Faye Baker before this movie. I thought that Jessica Chastain did a very good job of playing her as, like, very sweet and also naive. Like, I never once thought of Tammy as a villain. I just thought she was, like, very kind. And because she was kind, she was manipulated throughout her life. Which is really sad. And I think she also kind of chose to believe the good in people to a fault. Which yeah. I guess is being naive. But, like, with, with Jim, like, people were presented her with stuff and she was like, oh, they're just being silly. Yeah, the makeup in the movie is phenomenal, too, because, like, Jessica Chastain, like, is so gorgeous. And somehow her cheeks look even more filled out in this movie. Like, she oh, has, like, put these, prosthetics like, on her. She yeah. has prosthetics. Not a lot, it looks but she good. had some to make her her, like, facial structure matched Tammy's a little bit more. I know, because I was like, why does she look so much like her? They didn't do Mm -hmm. as much to Andrew Garfield, because honestly, he doesn't look a ton like Jim Baker, but his voice and the way he acts was very much like him. So I didn't really mind, and I don't really like Jim Baker, so I'd rather him look like Andrew Garfield. So um, I thought he did a phenomenal job. And I think it, it's a movie, like, there is a, there's, there's a lot more sex in it than I thought there was going to be. Even so, I feel like most people could watch it and like it, maybe skip the sex scenes with Grandma. But I thought it was a good movie, and I really liked it. And I hope just I want Jessica Chastain to win Best Actress because I like that movie so much. But it probably will not be her because, oh, she's just so much like her. And I haven't there's seen Spencer There's a lot yet. of good... So. Yeah, there. I haven't seen Spencer yet either. Um, I we have Apple TV, which I will say pays for itself at this point because I watch so many damn movies, and I just hold that little microphone. And it'll be like Spencer, so I can see like when it's coming to streaming, and I do that with yeah. all these movies just to be like, when are they streaming? When are they streaming? <laughs> um, but this was a tough year for actresses because there was so much damn good talent this year yeah with actresses like i mean so much talent and actors because i think we both watched the power of the dog as well and oh yeah power dog is more of an actor's movie although kirsten Dunst did a really good job but um that movie i was not expecting it to go full brokeback mountain I, i guess it didn't go full brokeback mountain i just wasn't assuming that it was that i i wasn't assuming that was a subtext of the film but i liked it and I like the yeah. subtext, and it wasn't just like, he's gay! Spoilers, I'm sorry. It was more like, like, oh, yes, he is gay, and that is informing his character choices, but he's not, like, he's a multifaceted individual. It's like, thank you yeah. for representation, and not just, like, making that his whole character. Like, thank you. I not told you. I did not do that. Yeah. But. Yeah, I told you I called that very, very early in the movie, though, just with his aggressive yeah. attitude towards Cody mm-hmm. Smith McPhee's character. I was like, yeah, he's he's definitely gay, and he's, he's he, lashing and he out a, at him because of it. Aggressively anti-Kirsten Dunst's character. And I was like, yes. I don't know. He's very... You, 
not okay. I that was I don't know if it was a brother jealousy thing or I don't know what it was. Or maybe a relationship. May- yeah, cuz he can't have the relationship he wants. Yeah, so that's jealousy. what I thought too. I thought maybe like as long as his brother was lonely like himself, he was okay, but as soon as like he was alone in his loneliness, that's when he was upset. Also, I've never heard a banjo play so menacingly since um Deliverance. So I was like, ooh, <laughs> I've heard a so banjo creepy. played aggressively in a long time. So like, I love how they built the tension between his character and Kirsten Dunst's character, and you're just like, oh, oh, okay. With a piano and a banjo. It was so good. Yeah. Um it and also really a very good. sensual scene with Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, which I'm a yes. big, I'm a Cumberbitch. Um, I love him. That I'm is excited. actually the the name of his fans, apparently. I don't really, like, he was informed that on the Graham Norton show, and he was like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> he didn't make that up, but I love him. That is hilarious. I, may, I think this may be the year we'll see our third female director with Jane Champion, too. So I, I, mean, I think she has a for fair... the piano. Yeah, so, well, no, she didn't win. She didn't win for the piano. She didn't win for the piano because oh, um, she Catherine won con get- at the piano. Yeah, Catherine Bigelow was the first to win for uh fucking uh what's the war movie? Um, Hurt Locker. Thank you, thank you. Two fouls. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Hurt Locker. So she won. She for was Hurt nominated Locker. for it though. She was nominated she, for the piano. No, she and won. The piano yeah, won oh, best she actress. Was yeah, it did. And Best Supporting for Anna Paquin, too, right? Didn't Anna Paquin win Best Supporting? And she was, like, one of the youngest ever? I think so. I think you're yeah. right. I was trying to look um, up. But, yeah, so, I mean, she's, like, oh, oh, I was trying to say is she's an Oscar-nominated, like, mm-hmm. she's done an Oscar film before. So, yes. like, I think she has a pretty good shot. Um. Oh, she won. She did win something for the piano. Best Original Screenplay. Oh, nice. That's and she was really nominated for Best Director. And she was nice. she was the second woman to be nominated in the first female filmmaker to receive the Palme d'Or. But I think she had to split the Palme d'Or with somebody because Julia Ducournau for Teton was the first like solo female director to win um, at Cannes. So that's really cool. There was some kind of technicality there, but it's really good Did and you- I like it. And I wasn't trying to be like I hope I wasn't being insensitive saying going full Brokeback Mountain. I just didn't know anything about the story. And I was like, oh, oh, but I think I, I asked Britt this. I will say, so I feel like breaking it down with Brokeback Mountain, Brokeback Mountain is a love story and it's a great love yes. story. I just, it's sad that it's a tragic love story and that for a long time, whenever you saw a gay romance in movies, it always had to be tragic. Yes. And I hate that. Which this one um, is tragic too, I guess. But this so isn't a love story. Power of the Dog is not, not a love story. story. It's it's. It's a it's a well, power struggle. It's a power struggle, I think. But the thing that I'm confused about, spoilers for this movie, is so we talk about Bronco Henry. He's mentioned mm-hmm. several times. They're very wishy wishy washy on how their relationship started. Because I mean, it's the nineteen twenties, he can't really talk about it. But yeah. he makes all these illusions and I'm like Okay, are you... Because he's like, oh, I was your age when I met him. And I was like, how old was Bronco Henry? Because he seems like he either he died really young and they were of similar ages and it's not weird at all. Or he was grooming him and I can't figure out what they meant. And I'm like, now I want to read the book because I'm like... Because if he's following the pattern of abuse and grooming the uh peter is that the kid's name 
Mm-hmm. Peter. Peter. Yeah. If, if mm-hmm. he's trying to groom Peter and Peter's catching on to it, then what Peter does at the end makes so much more sense. And I'm like, okay, not justified, but I'm like, okay. But if he's just trying to be fatherly towards him and to be like, I see a young myself in you and I want to take you on, even though he's an asshole, but he is trying to be nice, even though he has, he has secondary things. But I think he really is trying to, in his head, take Peter on. If his intentions were good, then it makes it really dark and twisty on Peter's end, what he did. It's a good movie. It's, it's one of those movies you watch it and you think about it because it's so quiet. And then by the end of it, you're just like, whoa. Because you, you, yes. everything comes to a realization. And then I kept thinking about it after I watched it, which makes me even like it any, even more. So I will say my personal opinion, I think Bronco Henry did groom him. So I think he was groomed uh-huh. from a young age. Now, with Peter, I don't think he groomed Peter. The reason I say that, I think he was lashing out at Peter because Peter, he did not want to see himself in Peter. And Peter did what yeah. he did to protect his mom. Peter didn't do what he did to protect himself. He did, the only reason he did what he did by the film's end was to protect his mother from the abuse that was being inflicted on her. And so I think he finally gave in to like this idea of feelings for Peter because as Peter became more reciprocant, yeah. he was thinking like, oh, well, you know, I was hating this kid, but maybe I I can have some kind of yeah. relationship with this kid. And because he lets his guard down, that's what happens. Um, so I did not think the intention there was to groom Peter, but I think he thought maybe Good. a relationship could happen between him and Peter. But Peter wasn't... Peter was leading him to believe but one thing, but it was only to get close to him. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. So Peter's really the true villain in this movie. I don't think Peter's a villain, though, because he was just doing what he had to do to protect his mom. And he says that in the opening scene of the film. Yeah. He goes, I'll do what I have to do to protect my mother. So, um, but I, we may, I love the power of the dog. I do know we have to go on. It's really on good, and, though. Yeah. It is so good. And I could again, talk about it probably another hour. I like that sexuality is subtext as it like as mm-hmm. it should be it's important but i just love movies that have representation and they're just honest and they make characters characters like real people it's just nice i don't know because yes. again like i didn't know anything going into the movie and i was like slowly like oh what's going on mm-hmm. oh oh and then also the whole thing with like just like the toxic masculinity of that culture of being a cowboy in montana and wait, did Brokeback Mountain take place in Montana too? I can't remember if it was Montana or Wyoming. Um, oh, I thought it was. Wyoming. I cannot remember. But I did look up the book, and apparently, this book did inspire the author of Brokeback Mountain to write it. So maybe that's why there's so much parallels. Although again, Brokeback Mountain, that- it's a love story, and this is not a love story. It's just an interesting look at cowboy culture. And it was written in, like, the 50s? Yeah, I, it is older. It is an older book. And Brokeback Mountain is more modern. I want to say the short story was mm-hmm. written, like, the early 2000s or maybe late 90s. For those who are interested, Brokeback Mountain's uh, short story, I think, was originally published for The New Yorker. And I think they still have it up. So mm-hmm. you can read it its entirety online if you all ever want to read. But I, I yeah. love the short story, Brokeback Mountain, myself. So, um, and, and I thought, the movie's it, beautiful. Yeah. The movie is well phenomenal. Acted and... What else have you watched, Katie? 
Um, I t- not depressing and not um about adultery or grooming or anything like that. I watched Encanto or Encanto. Oh, I'm sorry, Encanto's so and it was good. super cute. Yeah. Very it cute. Is good. And um, I really like the music. I can't stop singing. We don't talk about Bruno. No, no. Oh, no. It's so it's good. It surpassed. Um, it surpassed. Let it go as the most downloaded Disney song. So it surpassed Let It Go finally. I'm like, thank God it's been dethroned. Oh, so. I love that song. I love Let It Go. It's a fun mm-hmm. song to sing. But I think uh, it's it really cute. And I like how the love stories in the... There is a love story, but it's in the background. And it's more about family and someone being accepted by their family fully. And about toxic parenting and parentification. And, like, it's so interesting to me. Because I'm just like, ooh, psychology in a Disney movie yay and it didn't make me ball my eyes out but i did like tear up a couple times like oh like it was sweet it was sweet it was happy and it did get into some nitty-gritty of like familial relationships but it wasn't like it wasn't heavy it wasn't like up or finding nemo where i was bawling my eyes out in the first 10 minutes so that was good um, it's cute, and I think it's worth a watch. I haven't seen Luca yet, so I don't know if Luca was any good, but... I love Luca. I heard Luca's it was, good, too. I heard Luca was good, but everyone was like, Encanto was great, so I feel like... But I don't know. I didn't hear any music from Luca. Did Luca have well, music, Lu- music Luca at all? Well, Luca, Luca was a Pixar movie, so Luca did not have music, and Luca is definitely a quieter film. Luca, Luca is absolutely gorgeous, and it has a great message behind it. It's a beautiful film. It's just very quiet, and Kanto definitely is a louder movie, which, I mean... Yeah, it's very loud. It, it takes different <laughs> strokes... It takes different strokes to move the world around. So I like them both for very different reasons. But I think Encanto is definitely probably going to take home yeah. Best Animated. So I think so, too. I, it was interesting because one of my best friends um, is Colombian. And so the movie's supposed to take place in Colombia. And she was like, it wasn't really, like, about Colombian culture, I gotta say. It wasn't really, like, didn't stick out to me at all. And I was like, oh, it's interesting. I think it was just generic South American culture is what they were going for. They're like, this is generic Central America. They actually went to Colombia for, the whole film crew went to Colombia for a while to practice, like, making sure they got the animals right and everything, though. And then Manuel Miranda actually listened to all kinds of different Colombian artists to make sure he got a different flair for the different songs. He wanted something very accurate. So, um, it's supposed to be very accurate. I'm just saying what my... My friend who yeah. is Colombian, whose family used to own a sugar plantation in Colombia, uh, they were kicked out because the cartels. I just I'm not arguing there. I just thought, made about the I, movie. Yeah, I just was watching the behind the feature <laughs> documentary about it. So, so, so they 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 tried. They just maybe didn't succeed as much as they wanted to. I don't know Colombian maybe. culture, so I'm not specific. Yeah. It was just funny because she was like, it wasn't very Colombian in my opinion, but it was cute. And I was like, ooh. But I don't I don't know anything. Fair enough. I'm just totally I'm not Colombian either, so it's interesting to hear that. So No, no yeah. she her family really did own like a sugar plantation and the cartels took it over and gave much like the family in Encanto. The scary men with big machetes scared them away. So it's okay. They're cool. They're, they're, they're sad. prosperous in America. It's fine. It's not fine. <laughs> but anyways. 
Um, yeah, I like it. It's a good movie. And I don't know anything about it, so I'm literally just going off of my friend. Um, but yeah, that's... And I did start watching uh, Archive 81, but I've only gotten like four episodes in. And I, I finally watched the first season of The Righteous Gemstones, which... If you like the eyes of Tammy Faye, this is making fun of all of those people, and it's really hilarious. So, it's also on HBO Max. Haven't started Wheel of Time yet. I'm, I'm, I'm starting too many shows all at once, so. Yeah, I don't know. Was there anything else you got to watch, Britt? Yeah, um, so I watched um, Encanto for the second time. I watched it for the first time on Christmas Day with my younger nephew. Uh. And the second time I watched it uh, was with my mom and Taylor, and... Surprisingly, the, this is what's weird. Uh, the first time I watched it, I don't know if it's because I was paying so close attention to the story. Second time I watched it, I cried mm-hmm. for the whole thing. I like oh, Taylor no! kept looking over at me and goes, "Are you are you okay?" And like everything was making me tear up. So I was like, I don't know what it was about Aww. rewatching it, but like I guess maybe I was able to take in more of what the characters were saying versus like, oh, look, I like this song. Um, so yeah, it was a very emotional watch. Um, now I did yeah. watch Luisa's Hatch- song, did- especially. Oh, yeah. I, um, uh, I love Luisa's song. So I, I, being, a, I know it's for the oldest daughters in the family, but I feel like also being a middle child that carries the weight of everything, it, it is very hard hitting. Um, but I did yeah. watch Hassel Ridge for the first any, time. Any child can yeah. be the, the person the pressure goes to. You know, yeah. I think we, we, we assume it's the oldest child, but a lot of times it's not. Just depends on the child who takes up the responsibility. And parentification is, it's not a good thing. It's not very healthy to do to your children. Um, but it is a reality. And the people that survive it are usually very strong individuals. Um, yeah. It's, it's not, it, it's, I've seen it. I've seen both sides of it personal, not personally, but through people I was very close with and being in relationships with people who were suffering from that. And it is not a good thing. <laughs> um, but it's hard to like say no to that because it's your parent that needs yeah, and, you. When and Lynn like, Manuel, oh. Lynn Manuel actually wrote that song as a love letter to his older sister because she was, they, their oh. parents immigrated here. And because she was the oldest in an immigrant family, they really depended on her a lot for everything. And he said there was one Christmas they woke, yeah. woke her up out of bed to build a toy for him for Christmas. And he said that kind of stuff was always happening. Um, so he really wrote the oh song God. for her, which I thought was really sweet. Um, I and I know so. we're, I'm moving for my things a little fast just because I know we, uh, we're we going to get on our yeah, episode. Yeah, we got stuck on Hassel. a couple of those movies for a long yeah. time. I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. They're they're great films to talk about. Um, I watched Hacksaw Ridge, which was uh, Andrew Garfield was nominated for his performance a couple years ago uh, in Hacksaw Ridge. He's amazing. Um, it's based on a true story about um, Desmond Dodd, who was a conscientious objector, which what that means is that he mm-hmm. did believe he, he enlisted in the war and he wanted to be a medic, but he refused to carry a gun. So, um, he literally went to Hassel Ridge with no gun, um, and saved all Mm -hmm. these men's lives. They estimated about 75 men. And I was watching this movie and I was like, if we really want to talk about horror movies, war movies are horror movies because they're absolutely fucking awful. Um, and they scare me worse than, oh. Have you seen The Flags of Our Fathers? I saw that in theaters with my friends. I haven't. One of my friend's parents. 
and Clint Eastwood, yes, did it. And it's about uh, Iwo Jima and everything that yeah. happened to the people, like, before and after that are were uh, involved in, like, the flag raising and that whole situation. And um, it's very visceral. It's very realistic. And... Uh, like, I saw it in a theater that was surround sound, and it really felt like you were there, because there were, like, bullets flying. Like, it sounds like bullets are flying around you. And it was just fucking awful. And, like, it was one of the, like, I don't want to say, it was a really good movie, but, like, I cried so hard during that movie, because it was so depressing, and just sad, and just war as hell. Um, <laughs> war never changes, to quote Fallout. Um, and it yeah. was just really, yeah. So, and I, I took me two tries to get through Saving Private Ryan. And I'm like, horror movies, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't seem as awful as, like, stuff real people do to other people. Um, yeah. in the name of whatever. It's just sad. Um, I like the, more of the stories about people, like, I like spy stories during war because, or like, the politics, or like the personal stories of survival, and stuff are the ones that I tend to enjoy more than actual war movies. Because, yeah, they make me really depressed. And they're really yeah. tough to get through. And then, like, also my grandpa was a merchant marine in World War II. And I thought that was, like, a pretty safe job. But I was talking to, I think I think it was our friend Peter who was like, yeah, like, their ships sucked. They were basically, like, a tin can. And they were really vulnerable. So your grandpa's really lucky he made it alive. And I was like, yeah, especially because his dad lied about his age and he enrolled, uh, enrolled, enlisted in when he was 16 years old. Oh, wow. <laughs> he dropped out of school to enlist. Yeah, his dad lied for him because he thought it was honorable. And not that World War II was an honorable fight. You know, Hitler sucks. Fuck Hitler. But I think we said that many times here. But like. I'm glad he did survive or else I wouldn't be here. But I have a picture of him and his Merchant Marine stuff when he enlisted. And yeah, he looks like he's like 10. Not really. Oh. He looks like he's 16. But he yeah. you know, lied about his age. And it's, yeah. I don't know. So watching that, I'm like, wow, that could have been my grandpa if he wasn't like on in. Because what Merchant Marines is, they transported goods and prisoners. Mostly prisoners. So he had some cool like memorabilia from prisoners from World War II, that he would trade cigarettes for, like, belts and belt buckles and stuff of their yeah. uniforms. So that was cool. And he got to go all over Europe, which was cool. He had, like, a passport from all over Europe, which was cool. But it was war-torn Europe, so not exactly the coolest time to go. But anyways, yeah. yeah I, I, I tend to avoid those movies... Because they do make me really depressed. I agree with you. They're terrifying. Yeah, they're they're very sad. But it's like also like touching to see the humanity. There is a scene. It's a mild spoiler, but um, Desmond uh, finds a wounded Japanese soldier and he he treats him, and you can tell like they're both terrified of each Aww. other. But he very quickly like gives him a shot of morphine and treats him and gets on his way. And just like to think about the grace that he had and you know and people he was so down to earth so like if you read up on him like how he's portrayed in the movie oh, is yeah. really what it seemed like he was like as a person um last but not least i watched a little movie called bergman island um 
which was like actually got pretty good critical acclaim last year. It flew under the charts for a lot of people. But it's about a screenwriting couple. They go to Bergman Island, which is where Ignar Bergman, the filmmaker, who, um, oh my oh. God, he's done so many movies like The Seventh Seal and uh, Through a Glass Darkly. And um, anyway, it's his little island he lived on. And they're trying to get inspiration. And so she's writing her script in the first half of the movie. And in the second half of the movie, you go into the story she's writing. So it's a, it's a, it's a quiet little movie, but it's really oh. cool. And it's well acted. So and it's streaming on Hulu right now. So those are my, my so three like- new movies. Yeah. Like nocturnal animals kind of thing? Kind of, but definitely definitely not, like, as violent and serious <laughs> as uh, nocturnal animals. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> that is a good movie. Yeah. Eventually we'll do nocturnal animals. That movie's yeah, great. Yeah, nocturnal animals is a great movie. But yeah, so those are my, my new ones I've watched this week, so. I guess we talked, we talked a lot about the things we watch. We'll update you guys more on... The Oscar movies as we go through. I'm pretty sure Britt's going to get through more than I am this year because I'm already behind and you're already ahead of me. But um, we are going to talk about this week's movie, which is Norai. I believe it's Norai because I, I looked it up and that's how it sounded um, for Google pronunciation. The Curse, which Norai means curse in Japanese. It is a Japanese uh, found footage mockumentary documentary film, and it's very mysterious. Um, it was released in 2005, but it didn't come over here until 2020, as we said in our intro. And that is because the production company that was producing it went through bankruptcy right when it was about to release. And then it tried to re-release in 2009 in the West, and that also fell through. And it wasn't until 2020 when Shudder bought the rights to stream it that people could legally watch it. Although Britt was saying that she had read a lot of stuff that people were, like, illegally uploading it onto the internet for years. And people thought it was a real movie. Like, yeah. a real documentary. Because it is, it's pretty convincing, I gotta say. Would you agree, Britt? Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's. I would say, yeah, because it's such, it's film, it's a mockumentary, but because it's filmed in such a traditional documentary way, they do things like, for example, when you're thinking of a found footage movie, you know, like, you'll see things in found footage movie, and you're like, oh my god, you see something out of the corner of your eye. But with this movie, because it's a documentary, mm-hmm. they'll rewind, and they'll zoom in on things that are, like, creepy. So it's very, yeah. like, very much like, oh, like, kind of like, it, it's really, really convincing in that way because if you watch a lot of documentaries, this has like the documentary thing down packed. So yeah, and it's I mean definitely I think inspired by Blair Witch. I got because that was a forerunner of found footage, but I would say this is one of the outliers of found footage genre because a lot of found footage is kind of this may be my opinion. It's okay if you disagree with it, but a lot of it's kind of lazy. Like, Paranormal Activity, yes, the ending is very creepy, but most of it is just watching people sleep in black and white, (laughs) and maybe there's a bump every once in a while. This one is more about the mystery about how some seemingly unrelated stories um, are related in a very creepy way, Um, and they used a lot of people who played themselves in this movie, so... It added to, like, the people... I'm sure people would Google it, and they were like, oh, this this 
character is a real person. Oh my god, did this really happen to that person? Like, oh my god. If you don't, I mean, if you don't know about Japanese culture, then you probably wouldn't know. I mean, they also have some, like, fake but real-looking Japanese television shows spliced in here. As, like, uh, which really, I've watched a few that were available on Netflix. And, yeah, it's pretty accurate to what I've seen. So, I was like, oh, I like this. Um, but, yeah, it's it's an interesting movie. Um, I would recommend it if you are a horror fan. Because it is one of those cult, I don't want to call it a cult classic yet. I guess it is. But it's it's definitely a cult film more than traditionally because it was one that no one could get their hands on for years which always makes it like even more cool if you can't get your hands on it right but yeah um did you want to talk about the creative team brit um yeah i can so it was uh it was written and directed by koji uh shira ishii who is known mainly for horror films. Uh, his debut film was Jurai, The Uncanny, but he also did Carve the Slip Mouth Woman, uh, Teki Teki, which are both based on Japanese urban legends. Of course, the Slip Mouth Woman is like, her mouth is slid open. She'll ask you if she's pretty. If you say she's pretty, she like slits your mouth open like hers. If you say she's ugly, oh my. Uh, she kills you. Tiki Tiki was a schoolgirl that fell down on the railroad tracks and got slit in half, so she chases after you with no legs. So yeah, like, he kind of, he does urban legend movies, which I think is Dang. cool. Um, he did Sadako versus Kayako, which is, of course, Ringu versus Juon crossover. And he also did a film adaptation, the anime series Hellgirl. So yeah, he's pretty, he's pretty cool. He got a, he got a pretty lucrative horror career. Um, but it was also co-written by Naoyuki Yak- yeah. Yokota. Uh, who wrote The Slipmouth Woman, so they're collaborators. And yeah. uh, he also wrote Jurei the Uncanny. Actually, I will admit, I couldn't figure out if Yokota was a boy or a girl. Yuki, Nail Yuki makes me think it's a girl, but I'm not absolutely sure. I couldn't find out the gender so <laughs> of him or her, so I apologize in advance. Uh, yeah, I'm honestly, I couldn't find a lot of background about them either, so mm-hmm. I'm not 100% sure. I did see that um, the director, um, he he worked as an assistant director for a while, and he did a horror anthology called Honto Niata, um, starring famous actors and pop stars from Japan, and that's what got the producer, Takashigi Ikizi, interested in this, and he is a very, very uh, well-known Japanese horror producer, because he produced Juon, Shudder, Darkwater, Ringu, and all the American Grudge franchise movies. Um, so super, super famous um, producer. But his production company helped get this movie off the ground. And this was like, I guess, the first big movie for this director. Um, and he also, the director says he was inspired by John Carpenter's The Thing, uh, Brian De Palma films, Abbas Kira Stami, Kiro Stami, who I have not heard of. Um, and Sam Raimi, specifically Evil Dead, and he also likes Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Dawn of the Dead. Um, and it was also edited by the same editor, Takahashi, um, who did Ringu, Dark Water, and Juan. So a lot of people who did very famous J-horror J- movies that were remade in the West, um, un- in some cases, unfortunately, remade, um were involved with this movie too so i think the quality is there 
Um, which Dark Water was another one I wanted to do, and it was streaming, and it's only the American version is streaming right now, and I really want to see the original first. Um, I like The Ring. The Ring. Ring 2 is terrible, but The Ring is actually very creepy. Um, but I think you've seen Ringu and The Ring, right, Britt? Oh, yeah. I uh, The Ring was uh, one of my favorite horror movies when I was growing up, and so I had to buy Ringu on VHS at Video Gallery when those used to say so oh yeah I dressed as Samara for eighth grade year my for Halloween my eighth grade year so and I was yeah. a very scary Samara. Um but I love Sadako too. She's the original. Yeah. I do have a synopsis before we get into spoilers. Um but I think we're gonna have to get into spoilers to talk about this movie because a detriment to this movie it's a plus because it's very realistic, but it's also detriment is there's a lot of subplots and a lot of characters because it is a documentary and he's going around gathering information about different plot lines. And it's a lot to talk about, so we're going to try to keep it short and sweet and not focus too heavy on the plot. But um, we also don't want to ruin it for you because it is a movie, I think Britt said this best, you do have to pay attention to it to really get out something to get out what what am i trying to say to get what you want out of it you actually have to pay attention to it because i will say the second time i watched it there was so much more stuff that stuck out to me as like foreshadowing and stuff and so it is a rewatchable movie but it is like 115 minutes long so it's not crazy long and it's not i didn't nod off or doze off at any point so and I watched it, like, on a Sunday afternoon. So, I bonus points for that. It wasn't the Green Knight where in the middle I nodded off and then was like, oh, this part's good. Um, yeah. This one's pretty entertaining throughout it. But I don't want to ruin it too badly for anybody. Um, so, with that being said, our synopsis is, While attempting to document a series of supernatural occurrences, the filmmaker and those around him begin to experience terrible tragedies loosely tied to an ancient demon named Kagutaba. That's how I'm going to say the name. Yeah. Kagutaba. Which, for some reason, I want to name it Kagatuba. Yeah. (laughs) Which is wrong. (laughs) So wrong. But yes, with that, I think we're going to say spoilers from here on out. Come back at the end if you want to hear what we really thought about the movie. Yeah. Um, but do you want to start the beginning or do you want me to? Um, I can start. Uh, so so the movie starts off with a warning that some names may have been possibly changed. Um, they're like, reporter Kobayashi mm-hmm. has been declared missing since his house burned down. His wife Keiko was found dead in the room. So this is one of those movies we already know. What happens to the characters is more how do we get to the point that's yeah. happened. Um, and then they have a little quote from him where it's like, I want the truth no matter how terrifying it is, I want the truth. So, and then we see the documentary starts. It's November 2002. Kobayashi is a reporter of the paranormal. And there's a lady and her young daughter. They reach out to him because they're like, hey, we keep hearing babies mm-hmm. cry next door. But there's only a lady and her little boy next door. And so he tries to go there and see what's going on with the lady. She freaks out on him. And as they walk away, the cameraman, Miyajima, mm-hmm. which we kind of are Miyajima because Kobayashi, this movie is really cool because he usually talks into the camera. So it feels like we're talking with him and yeah. he's like, we're investigating with him. But they see this little boy just peering out the window and it goes back. That's the cool thing. It goes back and Not there's the little boy again. Yeah. Um, 
and you're just like, no, okay, so this is, this is a little chilly. Um, it's, but, a little it's a little grudgy, yeah. like the little boy who meows, but no one meows. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, uh, Masafumi Kobayashi is played by Jin Mur- Muraki, uh, who was in Retribution, Nightmare Detective, and Family of Strangers. And then his wife, which you mentioned, passes away. Miyoko Hanai plays Kiko, his wife. This was her only movie, on IMDb at least. She did like a yeah. short film too, but this was her only feature film. And then Miyajima is played by Hashashi Miyajima, also his only, who's the cameraman, also their only credit on IMDb. Um, yeah. So a lot of people, this was like, I feel like he got a lot of like normal people to do this movie. Uh, mixed in with actors yeah. and personalities. Um, but yeah. And uh, Junko Ishii, which is the lady, is played by Tamono Kuga, who was on in- Invisible Wave, Mime Mime. Okay, I don't know what that movie's about, but it's Mime Mime and Hatsuki. Um, and then the boy, the boy who played his, her son, uh, Shuta Kambayashi, was in Kill, but also in Slipmouth Woman. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough. But I don't know who he played because I don't think he was a named character. So maybe he was like just a bit part or something. But yeah. And there's also something with like there's dead. There's like pigeons everywhere. And yeah. uh, The little boy is definitely creepy. And like they come a couple times. And when they come back, um, the lady says, oh, yeah, I haven't heard the noise since they moved out. Um, and then there's, like, dead pigeons everywhere. And there's these, like, strange ropes and around. But yeah. he gets the noise analyzed. And the noise is, like, at least... <laughs> this is So they analyze the, this, this, the creepy sound that the lady's hearing. And he's like, it's the sound of an infant. No less than five infants. So it's like, you know, a crying baby is creepy enough that you don't know where the baby noise is coming from. But five crying babies? Where is that coming from? That seems really fucking weird. Like, where did you get five babies from? And why can't we see them? Yeah. It's very strange. <laughs> it is. And then oh. they go back. They go back and visit the lady and her daughter. And they're like, yeah, they actually moved out. And he's like, you hear the crying babies? No. And as they're leaving, like, the little girl's like, bye. Yeah. And then, like, the camera zooms in. And it's like, it they died five years them. later. Yeah, they died five days later. And you're like, oh, okay, and that's then dark. The next time the next time he talks on the phone, I mean, on camera about it, he's, like, sitting in the parking lot, I think at the funeral, because there's all these people dressed in black going into a building. And I'm like, are you, like, filming at the funeral, dude? That's kind of weird. But, I mean, he's a documentary filmmaker, so okay. Um, but the next yeah. story, I, I, I named these event one, two, and three. Uh, event number two is about a little girl named Kana, which Kana is actually, like, a very, like, consistently working, um, whatchamacallit, consistently working actress to this day. She was also in Dark Water. Uh, the actress's name is Rio Kana, which is interesting because her character's name has one N, but her real name has two Ns, so... I don't know the significance of that or if they just didn't know how to spell her name and they were like, yeah, we'll just call you by your actual name because you're a child and it might be easier for you to, like, answer. I don't know. Um, But she was also in, I think it's, like, the precursor to Power Rangers or, like, what Power Rangers is based on. Go Go Sentai 
Bokunter? Thank you. I don't know if I said that right. But um, it looked like Power Rangers. and Because I know that Power Rangers stole from Japanese TV shows. And Hand of God, which, is that the same Hand of God that might get nominated I, for an Oscar? I, I don't think so, because it's 2019. I, oh, no, because that our Hand of God would have to be from 2021. So, it may be ah, just... dang it. Yeah, it may be two movies just with the same title, so... But this yeah. is my favorite part because it's a Japanese uh, psychic kids TV show where there's like a psychic and he's <laughs> and he's like he's uh, showing like testing these like I think there's like eight or ten children and one of them is Kana and we don't really know that she's going to be the subject but she stands out because like they have like a hidden picture in a tube and they're like draw the picture that you see in your head and she's the only one that gets the first one right then she gets the second one wrong but spoilers if you watch the second one if you watch it the second time what she drew is the creepy mask of the demon that will come to play later in the movie so the second time you watch it it's very eerie because like everyone's just like oh i guess maybe she's tired she didn't really seem to do as well that round but it's like oh my god the demon's already after her and it's like literally the first time we see her and then the third thing is she they uh summon water from nothing and she literally has like fresh water like they test it and everything and like in a little um not pipette, but a little uh, glass. What do you call those things? Cylinder? In science labs. A cylinder? Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, that's crazy. And she says that she had a headache when it happens. And so Kobayashi obviously is like, he's into the supernatural. I feel like he's like Zach Baggins of Japan, but very much more polite and not so much, come out here, ghosts. And fuck me up. Like, he's not like that. He's just oh, like, he wants the truth. Did you mention that the water also <laughs> had a hair in it that's determined to be from a newborn? <gasps> yes. Thank you for, I did not write that down. Thank you. Yeah. That, that, again, what is it with babies? It's really fucking weird. Um, but yeah, I feel like this man is kind of like Zach Baggins, but like the nice Zach Baggins. Like if he wasn't such, in my opinion, kind of a dick. He, so he goes to her house, and her parents seem really normal, but they're like, she keeps having all these headaches, and she's always exhausted and tired, and she's saying there's, like, a man who's following her dressed in aluminum foil, but he's fine. She says he's not a danger. And while he's there, she has an episode where all the plates fly off. And, like, it's very, like, it's actually done really, really well. Um, but there's also, like, she's doing these strange drawings, like the rope that we saw at Junko's house. And you're like, okay, that's, that's fucking weird. Um, and then she disappears later in the movie and her parents die in a murder suicide, which is weird because they seemed super normal and not like they were fighting at all. That kind of brings us to our third event, which I'm going to let you talk about, Brick. I'm sorry, which uh, features Marika. Yeah, and Marika is actually played by herself. So it's Marika Masamoto, who was originally known as Mini Stop Chan, uh, the mascot for the Mini Stop store chains in Japan. Uh, but she's probably best known for voicing Riku in Final Fantasy X and Final Fantasy X 2. It's a very cute blonde, if you guys aren't familiar a lot with Final Hearts. Fantasy. Yeah, and she also voiced characters in Paradise <laughs> Kiss. 
Yeah, and yeah, Riku's in Kingdom Hearts as well. Uh, she voiced characters in Paradise Kiss, Ungo and Pokemon the Movie, Dancy and the uh, Cocoon of Destruction, which I'm not, I love Pokemon, but that's one I'm not familiar oh. with. Um, but she, um, Marika is on a show, a variety show from Japan, uh, with the young girls who are two male hosts, which is funny. Yeah. And she copies them to a shrine. Uh, like brothers, she, right? I, I don't know. I think I they have the same, I feel like they have the same last name, so I think they might be brothers. That may make sense. They look a little alike. Yeah. It huh. seemed like that was maybe an established show in Japan, or maybe they just did it so well, but it seemed like... Yeah. It definitely seemed like a Zach Baggins show. Like, they were like, we're gonna go ghost hunting! We're the one girls! Maybe I just because thought... undead? Because they like ghosts? Oh, I thought it was just funny because they're boys and they call themselves the ungirls. Yeah. So I just thought it was funny because they're like boys, but they call themselves the ungirls. Um, but she mm-hmm. accompanies them to a shrine. Uh, she's their guest star. And she claims to see some things. Um, and she's, you know, she's talking. She's seen things since she was little. Um, and at the shrine, she says she hears something. And then um, mm-hmm. she collapses. And she starts to scream. And then she comes to her senses. But then they, they show the clip on another variety show called The Night of True Horror Stories. And it has both Marika mm-hmm. and Kobayashi on as guests. And they bring mm-hmm. on a guest with psychic abilities named Michio Hori. Yes. And uh, Mr. Hori, mm-hmm. as we now know him, he was on Juon, The Grudge 2, Premonition, uh, Scabbard Samurai, and he was in nine episodes of a TV show called Morbioto and the Gun. Um, mm-hmm. But they bring him on. And, and he was on One Piece. Was he on One Piece? I, it sounds like One Piece the movie, because it looked live action. But it I don't think it was the anime at the end. I don't think it was the anime. No, though, no, because, I think it was. Yeah, a, I think it was like a live action movie. I'm not. When did One Piece start though? Because I know it's been going on for fucking ever. Ever, which is why I yeah. Started it. It's it's a very I'm long show. Ah, <laughs> uh, I uh, I want to say it's it's 20 years old now, isn't it? Is it early 2000s? Well, this one says 1999. So oh, that, shit. So, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe 99. Did the, did the movie, in, well, no, it was a manga series first. Yeah. But maybe the, the movie, like, was to get it started. Like, they're like, go see the movie. We're releasing. I don't a... think so, because it doesn't look like a pirate movie. I was I was looking at the IMBD, and I didn't think it looked like the pirate One Piece with Lefty, Luffy the oh. monkey. So, I could be wrong, oh, but wow. I don't think so. Yeah. I just thought it was funny, but it it but it has an exclamation point at the end, so it doesn't look like regular anime One Piece does. So oh, that's weird that they both started in nineteen ninety nine though. That is very so weird. That's strange. That is weird. Anyways, uh, but go ahead. Sorry. Oh, but but Mister, <laughs> I was excited. Comes- I was like, oh, he's in One Piece. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Hori comes out. He, God bless him, he's dressed all in tinfoil. He's visibly disturbed. Um, and he goes and starts to shake Marika. And they all, like, try to pull him off her. And he's like, watch out for the pigeons. So, like, he's having a mm-hmm. freak out on television. Poor Marika is yeah. just screaming. She's terrified. But Kobayashi later meets with the director of the variety show who shows Kobayashi the mm-hmm. unedited footage. So what we saw was edited footage. This is unedited footage. Um, and it shows mm-hmm. behind Marika a figure that appears behind her. And it's, like, mm-hmm. so eerie-looking anyway. But, of course, it's a documentary, so they go in slow motion, and you see the figure. Um, <laughs> and so, and then she's well, like, oh, yeah. 
They also do a cool thing where they show her reaction to it before they show us it, mm-hmm. which was creepy. It is very creepy. And then she shows him a pattern she keeps drawing subconsciously. So she's like, ever since that night at the shrine, I keep drawing this pattern. And it's the pattern that was at mm-hmm. Junko's house. Um, so yeah. And then we also see another variety clip. So we get to know Mr. Hori a little bit more. And this was confusing to me and Taylor. Uh, because he's interviewed and one of the neighbors keeps saying he's a psycho. And they keep bleeping out the word psycho. And we're like, is psycho a bad yeah. word in Japan? Like, because that wasn't something I was familiar with, but they bleep out psycho every time they say it. Um, I thought maybe they were, like, adding an expletive to the word psycho. Oh. And they weren't going to put it on the subtitles. Oh. Because it was bleeped out. Like, maybe they were, like, a psycho ass or something. I don't know what you No, that saying. would make sense. But, or maybe sense. it is a bad word. I don't know. I need to look that up. Um, I need to look it up. But he know. does. Mr. Hori does say in the interview, he says he can see the future, and he starts talking about ecoplasmic worms, which is a very common thing with him. He talks about these ecoplasmic worms throughout the entire movie. Yeah. Um, it's so, like yeah. it's like the it's like Ghostbusters ectoplasm. I was like, oh, I see someone watch Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. So I don't know. That excites me when it's a Ghostbusters reference. Yeah. Oh, I don't no. think they had worms, but. They definitely kept talking about ectoplasm the whole yes, time. Yes, the whole time. They mention it a lot in this movie. Yeah. Uh, Kobayashi does go yes. to talk to Mr. Hori, though, um, and he mentions the worms again, and he also starts to draw a picture of a blue building with galvanized sheets, and he's like, the worms took Kana away. And then out of nowhere, he asks, who's, Kubataba, uh, who's Kagutaba? And the camera malfunctions when he's saying this, and it's really creepy because... Once again, mm-hmm. this is like a found footage mockumentary. So, like, the camera goes, like, it, like, the picture blurs. And you see all these faces. And it's, like, really scary um, mm-hmm. and really cool. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if you want to take well, over a little also, bit. Yeah, I think when they also, they they tape Marika, mm-hmm. like, car, like, making those shapes out of, like, ropes and wires in her sleep. Yeah. Um, I think she also mutters. Kagutaba, but it's very oh, faint. Yeah. And at least that's what I tried to rewatch it again to catch it, but maybe I missed it, or maybe the notes I was reading were wrong. But um, it's interesting because he starts delving deep, and I'm gonna try to quickly get through this because it's him talking to a lot of different people, and it is interesting. Mm-hmm. But just the gist of it is, he uh, Kobayashi goes through a series of interviews with Mr. Hori, a local historian, and some people from. Uh, Junko's past, um, the lady who was screaming at everybody in the beginning, and he learns that uh, Kagutaba is the name of a demon. The local village of Shimokagi summoned it a long time ago, but when it disobeyed their orders, they imprisoned it and continued an annual ritual to keep it imprisoned, and so it wouldn't hurt anybody. But the year before the town was evacuated to make way for a dam, the ritual went wrong, and the person portraying Kagutaba, who was Junko because her dad was the priest performing the ceremony, um, suffered a men- like a breakdown and had a like basically what Mar- Marika had in the woods, the exact kind of episode she had at the end of it. And he actually watches archival footage of it, and it is very creepy. Like I find like. Shinto ceremonies, which Shinto and also like shaman sh- ceremonies, like what we saw in the Wailing, 
Like, it very much reminded me of that. Um, obviously, two different cultures, but, like, I find it very interesting and kind of beautiful. Um, and so there's a very specific bow that you have to do, and you only use it in that ceremony where you bow once, clap four times, and then bow again. Um, but the ritual doesn't go well. And so the people do move out, and the city is covered in water to make way for a dam. But the people that used to live there, they moved, like, they relocated, and they're all convinced that Junko is possessed by the demon now. And they kind of cover their village in protective seals and also dogs, which I was like, oh, that's adorable. Also, Gizmo freaked out when we were watching this because the dogs were barking and he started barking at the television when he's walking through the village looking at the dogs. Um, Now, he also talks to a lady who worked as a nurse with Junko just a few years before. And we learned that she used to work at a very suspect fertility clinic. Um, and she helped with illegal and unsafe abortions, and there was a rumor that she stole the the fetuses from those unlawful abortions. Um, and basically the lady's like, yeah, it was a really shitty clinic, and I think it's shut down now, thank God. Um, so Marika, meanwhile, is, like, suffering strange episodes, and so she, she actually stays with the Kobayashi's. With Mr. Kobayashi and his wife Keiko. And they seem she seems to be doing better there. But she keeps having more episodes. And uh, she has... The thing that really scares her is she had a neighbor that they had interviewed. And a couple neighbors and a couple other people they interviewed. All show up in the obituaries as taking place... Taking part in a ritualistic hanging. Like group suicide where they hang themselves from ropes that look just like the ropes that everyone keeps tying. And it's like, well, that's creepy and weird. Um, so Kobayashi is like, hey, let's go to the dam. This is, this is his plan. Let's go to the dam where the village used to be. And uh, he has run into Junko again. She's still creepy as fuck. And she's near the village now. Um, and they go to the dam and they take Mr. Hori with them. And they're going to do the ritual to, like, cleanse Marika of it. Meanwhile, Kana is still dis- m- missing. And they're really not sure what's going on with her. Um, but they do. And it seems to be okay. Except Mr. Hori starts freaking out and running into the woods. And Marika ends up uh, running into the woods. And Marika is with um, the cameraman, Miyajima. And uh, Kobayashi is chasing Mr. Hori. Which is when we get to probably the creepiest part of the movie second creepiest i don't know this or the very last scene or maybe the creepiest do you do you want to cover the creepiness part because it gets pretty creepy and very sad yeah if you're so, a pet lover because i didn't know this was going to happen yeah so so, so nagajima and marika are together um and then kobayashi's with mr hori and so they do they find all the slaughtered village dogs because you find out that like the they keep the dogs and like well the thing is now I'm like I don't know if they are slaughtered or eaten. It could be either or, but there's all these dead dogs everywhere. Um and I think so, they had to kill them yeah. because they were protective and if they didn't kill the dogs they wouldn't be able to do what they wanted to do. I didn't know if it was also, like there was a, like a magic circle. Yeah, a magic field. And that's where I was like, I didn't know if it was like a sacrificial ritual either. Um, I was kind of curious about that, if it was sacrificial or not. Um, 
But, you know, um, so they find this shrine. It's Hori and Kobayashi find this shrine deep in the woods. And Hori screams. And for a brief moment, we see, like, in night vision, Kana is just surrounded by yeah. crawling fetuses. So there's all these crawling babies all over Kana. Maybe. Uh, the little girl. Maybe eating her. Yeah, maybe eating really her. Figure, like, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, because I, I rewatched it. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not sure. Hori keeps what is saying that, that she's being crawling? consumed. Yeah, one of them's crawling on her head. Yeah. It's like, it's, oh, it's so brief. Like, it's like one of those blink and you miss it moment. Because the camera only lingers there it like 30 seconds. It is fucked up, though. Yeah. And yeah, meanwhile, then he turns is, it back on and he's like, oh shit. But Mr. Hori's having like a freak out. Like, it's almost like he's having like, I, mm-hmm. I hate to say it this way to sound insensitive, but it's almost like a stroke. Like, it's like he's silently screaming yeah. and not, and barely moving. Um, but this is juxtaposition with Marika is screaming. And so, you know, finally mm-hmm. Najima, like, is, like, grabbing Marika and she stops screaming. And she's like, I'm okay. I'm okay. But they take both Hori and Marika to the local hospital. Okay. But they're like, well, fuck this. We're going back to Junko's house. Because all this shit's hit the fan. Yeah. So they're like, we got to go to Junko's house and try to figure out what's going on. So they break in. Yeah. Junko's house. They find the wall of Kagutaba mask before finding Junko's dead yeah. body hanging and then a small boy standing yeah. over Kana's lifeless body. So Kana's dead now and Junko's like, dead. Oh, shit. Yeah. 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 Which is just fucking depressing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they call the police. They do the right thing. They call the police. And then, okay, you, th- you think things are going to be okay because Kobayashi and Kiko, they're kind of like wrapping up the documentary. He's like, Oh, the boy who was living with her wasn't actually her son, uh, so we adopted him. And he doesn't really talk a lot, but he seems to be okay living with them. Yeah. Um, and then um, Mr. Hori is um, set up in a mental facility to get some much-needed help, and Marika seems to be fine. Um, but they kind of have this theory. They go back and find these ancient documents with the historian, and it's like Junko was trying to replicate replicate this ancient ritual of feeding infant monkeys, which is the saddest thing I've ever heard in my entire life next to the dogs, uh, to a medium, like Kana, to summon Kagutaba. Like, that's how they summoned him in the first place. Uh, or Urshi. I actually don't know if he... They don't ever say. Just a demon. Yeah. Um, so, basically, they are pretty sure Junko was stealing fetuses to feed to Kana, to try to bring about Kagutaba, yep. which is really fucked up. Um, but then <laughs> the next, the, the the probably the most famous scene in the movie um, happens uh, when Mr. Hori just kind of interrupts the family having dinner, mm-hmm. um, and he just kind of starts attacking. The adopt. They don't even think they named the son. They just say the boy with Junko, but yeah. the son. Um, they start. He starts attacking them with a rock, and they try to stop him, and he attacks them. And then, okay, the weird thing is like Kobayashi never turns off his camera. Like he's having dinner with his family, and he's like taping this. But basically, like he and his wife are like incapacitated, and Hori starts beating the son. Kind of off camera, like he's blocking him, but it's happening with a rock in his face. And, like, he goes back to check on his wife, Kobayashi does, and then he turns the camera back around, and the kid's face- He's just standing there with his face covered in blood, 
But then for a split second, his face is Kagutaba, and that's what Mr. Hori was saying. Like, the kid is Kagutaba, it's not Junko, it's the child. That's why she, I guess, stole him? We got a hereditary situation going on, I guess, with Payman. Um, so... Then it gets even creepier? Because it's like he's... It's like the kid is controlling Mr. Hori and Keiko? And Mr. Hori, like, holds his hand, like, all of a sudden gets really quiet and walks out of the house with him. And Kobayashi's, like, hurt, down for the count. He's trying to get to his wife. And his wife just pours gasoline all over herself and lights herself on fire. And then the house obviously catches fire. And then the reason they have this footage is because he sent a tape into the TV station. I guess the one he worked for. And, um, Mr. Hori was found dead in, like, a, was it a sewer drain or something? A, a, a air duct, right? A like duct. a pipe. Yeah, a that's duck. what it was. Yeah. Air duct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just, they're just, and it just kind of ends that they're like, and Kobayashi is still missing. And you're like, uh uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. It, and there's no credits. So. Like, so they're like, Kobayashi's no missing. Credits. And then the movie just ends. da 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 uh like it's it's it it does seem like a real documentary like i feel like that's a pro for this movie it's very convincing if i didn't know it wasn't one and someone had presented it to me as real i probably wouldn't believe it even though i i would say even the crawling fetuses are kind of convincing but not it does remind me of like a game like dread out or um or Fatal Frame, but especially Dread Out. If you guys have ever seen anyone play that game on Steam, it's actually an Indonesian game, but it's like you go into a haunted school as like a school, like you're like a, a school group gets stranded on this like a uh, desolate, for, like isolated, abandoned town, and there's a bunch of like ghosts. You have to use your night vision. It's it's also very much taken from Fatal Frame. But I like that part about the movie, and I really thought the performances were very strong. Nobody seems, everyone seems to, like, be convincing. And it is very uneasy, I will say. Yeah. I wouldn't say I was up all night, but it definitely gave me a feeling of uneasiness. What about you? Oh, I have a lot of notes. Um, so there, I, I have a I have a lot more pros and cons. <laughs> I will start by saying that. Um, Good. so rather than the amateur shooting we usually typically see in found footage movies, this movie is presented as an almost complete documentary, which adds some polish to the film. Yeah. So it's a nice viewing experience since the camera's not really shaky. So like the camera's not constantly shaking throughout the movie, which I thought was nice. Um right. I love the Lovecraftian horror element because what they say is they're like, Kabutaba is not really a demon necessarily. They just didn't know what to call it. They call it a demon because they didn't know what the hell it really was. Uh, I like that subverted mm-hmm. um, stereotypes because it's actually Westerners, sorcerers, that bring over Kagutaba. So Kagutaba is not mm-hmm. like this Asian demon. It's like literally like, hey, these Westerners brought this demon to do their bidding and it stopped listening to them. And then the Japanese villagers were able to do it, which I thought was a really kind of cool like thing. It kind of turned that yeah. on its head. Um, Except for is- the monkey bit. 
That yes. was pretty awful. Yeah, it was pretty damn awful. Um, and luckily they only show that in squirrels, so you don't see the monkeys hurt. You just see it in, like depictions of old paintings. Um, that means somebody was was paid to make the scroll of the dead monkey babies. It's yeah. actually very good artwork, but it is. I'm like, <laughs> either it already existed. Or they were like, can you make a very creepy picture, but make it look like it's a real ancient scroll. And then there's the dead dogs. something you could hang in a museum. There's the dead dogs around the dead monkeys. Yes. It's really depressing. Do you think she couldn't get her hands on monkeys? So she was like, baby humans? Yeah. I mean, think about it. There's only a 2% DNA difference. So yeah, it's probably the closest thing she fought would be to the monkeys. So, um, I also... I personally have heard this before, that Japan does not have a great mental health system. Um, And it's really sad when Mm. you think about it, because both Mr. Hori and Junko are felled. They're like, they're completely felled, because Mr. Hori is treated like a a sideshow attraction. They're like, let's interview the psychic, and he's crying, covered in tinfoil. No one helps him. And it's like, Kagutaba is able to take advantage of these situations, because these people don't get the help they need. Um, Mounting tension. Uh, there's a truly scary ending. There's no jump scares. I hate jump scares, and I'm really glad this film did. Yeah, them. I love that. Aspect. It was all creepy stuff in the background, like, and I was proud of myself. I don't always see these, but the the figure behind Marika in mm-hmm. the footage with the ungirls, I actually saw it before they pointed it out to us. I was like, ah. Yeah. I think that's a figure. And then they're like, then they close up. I was like, I was right. It's like, there's some scary, like, TikTok video where this girl's like, my house is haunted. And she turns off her lights in a closet and then turns them back on. And apparently it's supposed to be creepy. And everyone's like, when you see it, I have never figured out what's supposed to be creepy about that TikTok video. And it bothers the fuck out of me. Because I'm like, where's the ghost? I just want to know where it is. But I don't know where it is. So maybe always, maybe the point is that there is no ghost. I always laugh when a scary video runs across my For You page on TikTok. Because people in the comments go, I neject. What do they say? They say, I reject the negative energy from this video. And I always think of that. I reject oh, the negative energy okay. from this video. So... All right. Yeah, I didn't know you could do that. I, I, I they, they can on TikTok. They can on TikTok. I guess that's what they say. I don't oh, know. So. I guess I need to start putting that in. Oh, I just got to chill. I'm sorry. I reject the negativity from that video. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. Yes. Fun fact. Life Fun hack. Fact. Yes. Um. <laughs> so yeah. Um. So I, I feel like I definitely had a lot of pros. Did you have any cons? Um, the only cons I have, because I, I gen- generally really like this movie, and I'm really glad we watched it, because it's been one that, ever since I saw it on Shutter, I was like, what is that? Um, there's a lot of characters to keep track of, um, but it does add to the regalism, but there are a lot, so condensing it, I hope we didn't go too long with kind of trying to summarize the whole thing, um, but there are a lot of characters, um, it's got a very, it, it, it's a longer movie. Yeah. But again, I never checked out of the movie and I never nodded off. So I would say I definitely think it's interesting. I will say the first time I watched it, I was interrupted by a, a repairman that came to my house. So like I did have to pause in the middle. But the second time I watched it, I never paused it and watched it all the way through. Um, and it, I liked a lot of the wailing. 
But the wailing to me was internally like, oh God, it was so long. Yeah. And it was too long. And I just like, I, I, I hate it because I think it's a really good movie, but like, I really can't recommend the wailing. This one, I did not feel like that. Yeah. I wasn't bored or confused. Maybe it's because you're, re- I think it helps when you have to read the subtitles because you yeah. have to pay attention for me. Um, but not really like super negative i really like it for what it is and i really want to see more by this director but like it he doesn't have a huge library of films but he does have quite a few but i don't think he's really made it except for this film into the western cinema i will say his imdb and wikipedia profile picture is him like punching the camera and that's really yeah. badass and he seems like like a he seems really like Tarantino y like attitude wise. I feel like he's like, hey man, like I don't think he brings dildos out during filming, but he seems like kind of fun. Yeah. And, What's up, dude? Um, I don't know if that's how he talks because I couldn't find any interviews with him for this movie because it just got released last year in pandemic. Yeah. So like that's the only negative I really want to see more stuff by him. I just don't think it's a huge library, unlike like Takeshi Miike, we watched Audition, and I was like, "Oh my god, he's made like two hundred films." Yeah, stops working. So, <laughs> um, so I, I I recommend it though. I feel like if especially if you like J horror, K horror, just Asian horror in general, or found footage films, I feel like this is a cut above most found footage that I have witnessed. Yeah. What about you, Brett? Um, it's. This is not really a con as much as it's more neutral territory. This isn't a good or a bad thing. Um, the movie is more eerie than scary for the majority of the film. That's not yeah. necessarily a bad thing. Um, it's not always great to just go for scares just to go for the sake of scares. But if you're looking for a truly horrifying film, I think this has some really terrifying moments. But I think for the majority of the hour and 56 runtime, it's more eerie. Um and the ending, yeah. like we mentioned before, the ending's only awarding if you're really paying attention to all the clues it gives you. Um, the only mm-hmm. main con I had was about the ending. Um, because literally, uh, Mr. Hori comes to Kobayashi's house in the middle of the night, obviously just escaping the asylum. And he's filming it. Right. And then literally, Hori runs towards the boy. Keiko does what any mother would do in the situation. She, she jumps at Hori, tries to tackle him. And Kobayashi's still filming. And I'm like, if your child is being attacked by a psychotic man, why are you holding the fucking camera? Like, to me, it would have been a more smarter choice for them to, like, throw it on the ground. And maybe if it landed on the ground a certain way, that camera angle could have still gotten everything. Right. Versus, like, he's calmly holding it, kind of. For a yeah. lot of that scene. That really bothered Which maybe, me. Maybe because he is so used to being a filmmaker. But that does seem kind of cold and calculating. Yeah. Um, I will say that TV show Archive 81 is about discovering documentary footage. Mm-hmm. And they actually do a really good job of like she's, she's interviewing people. But like a girl has like a seizure or a possession, you know, depending on. I, I'm only, like, three episodes in, so... Uh, she has what appears to be a seizure. And um, she knocks the camera over to go help her, but they have the camera land, so you can see her helping her. But it's not very perfect, and I like that, because I was like, oh, like, that's probably how it would happen. Um, or, like, Blair Witch, where you go... They go in the basement, and, like, 
she has the light on because it's dark and she needs the night vision yeah. to see what's going on. So it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. If maybe he had gotten plunged into darkness, yeah. it would have made more sense. Like, it made sense in the, sh- in the shrine video because he was trying to find them yeah. in the darkness and that's why he had the night vision on. But yeah, I I I agree. That's a good thing to point out because I was like, are you going to help her? Yeah. Um, but... It was kind of, yeah. And I don't think it's supposed to be the filmmaker. I mean, the cameraman is not there at their home. Yeah. So it's not like he just happened to be there. Which still, I feel like they're friends. They've done multiple documentaries together. He probably would help him if that was what was going on. Yeah. I don't know. That was kind of weird. But yeah, it's not like, I will say like the pros definitely outweigh the cons for this movie. Because I literally only had two cons. I just feel like most movies I have to have at least one con for. Yeah. Because nothing's perfect. That's true. I would agree with that. Just to be fair, you know, to all the movies. This isn't a Black Christmas 2019 though. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Oh, it's so bad. Yep. So very bad. Yeah, that has the lowest Grindhouse Girl rating, so... (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Um, that being said, do you have a Grindhouse Girls rating? For okay, this? I actually have two. And um, oh yeah, this is really stupid. Um, I wonder if they're the same as mine. Uh, I have rated F, and it's uh for five babies crying. Um, because that's all I could think of. Uh, <laughs> and and <laughs> so I don't know. Um, as five crying fetuses. Yeah, and uh, it's F for five babies crying and uh, fainting actresses. Um, I also have rated P okay. for pigeons and psychic children. Okay. Yeah. I like those. Yep. I had, this is a similar one, but a different letter. Rated C for creepy cursed children. Oh, okay. Yeah. And rated F for fetuses and fatal premonitions. Oh, nice. I think I like F a little bit more just because we 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 occasionally cover creepy children here at uh, uh, Grindhouse Girls podcast. Yes. So <laughs> I feel like we should do yours, but we should change it to five fetuses, five what? crying fetuses, five. and just ramp up the Fness. Did you have a a a rating rating for um the curse? I really like this movie a lot. Um, so I'm, huh, I think I'm saying a 7.5 out of 10, because I really like it, but it's not like a masterpiece of cinema. Yeah, you know what's funny is that I wavered between the 7.5 and an 8, and I think I gave it an 8 for the sheer pacing. I thought the pacing in the movie was really Aww. good. So, definitely not perfect. I, I really didn't, I agree, because it wasn't like too, it wasn't like the, I really liked parts of the wailing but i just Mm -hmm. could not recommend it because it was so long yeah um i'm glad we watched the wailing you like yeah i'm glad we watched the wailing though because it's on so many lists of the best horror movies from the last 20 years like it makes the list consistently and it's good like i'm not trying to say it's a bad movie it's just hard to recommend when i'm like you're gonna be sitting there for a long time and it's not like old boy which i feel like old boys doesn't even feel that long but I feel like Old Boy is another like epic movie, but like there's so many cool fight scenes in Old Boy that it's like, you know, it's interesting. The Wailing yeah. is like the one scene that I really liked was the exorcism scene, and um, and I do like the Brian. Have you seen the Wailing? I won't ruin it for you if you haven't. Okay, there's a 
the plot one of the plot twists at the end was interesting yeah um it's a good movie i just wish they had cut it shorter so it was a little more concise so i guess we both recommend the movie yeah definitely recommend um yeah if you like found footage movies if you like foreign horror films if you like mockumentaries i mean just ticks off this checks off a lot of boxes for me i liked it a lot actually also i feel like the pop culture parts like the like the the game show feel to parts of the segments like kind of make it not as heavy as it could be if that makes mm-hmm. sense like it's not funny but there's like parts that are a little more lighthearted, um which i feel like makes it well worth watching but i guess with that um we're recommending it go watch it on shutter it's the only place you can watch it yes legally in the united states but you know it's been bootlegged for years so i'm not i'm not i'm not gonna encourage you just get a shutter subscription you, you may be able to find it peering around somewhere um but uh, maybe one day we'll get a blu-ray dvd release of it who knows that'd be nice you can always hope it would be nice um because this is a very interesting movie but with that i think we're gonna go with brit's pick of next week which is a movie i'm excited about because we both had it on our list to pick this month and i'm so excited yeah i'm excited too and it was interesting because you know i I'm a stickler. I like to know what year's movies come out, and I like to know the running time. And I think this may be our shortest Grindhouse Girls film we've ever reviewed. Uh, it's 82 minutes long. Hey. 82 minutes. Wow. Hey. So, like, if you take in account, like, credits, it's probably, like, 78 minutes. Anyway, um, this movie came out last year in 2021. I don't know a whole lot about it. I've been keeping myself in the dark because I don't want anything spoiled for me, but it was on a top, uh, a few different, uh, 2021 films you should have saw but didn't list. Um, we're doing Censor, and that is C-E-N-S-O-R. Uh, do not say censor uh-huh. to Suri. She always tries to put S-E-N-S. I'm like, no, please. That's just my speech impediment. It's a C-E-N-S-O-R. <laughs> um, but it's on Hulu right now. So it is streaming. You guys better watch it before cool. next week. So basically it's a, a film censor is assigned to review a quote unquote video nasty as they're called. Cause I believe it takes place in the UK and there's some stuff on the video that begins to unravel their sanity so i'm excited me too I'm excited streaming on hulu oh by the way if we're starting good nights because i think it's time for us to finally start saying good night um you can get four free covid rapid tests from the government um if you follow the link on uh uspostal.com it's a very easy form you go on the postal service you fill out just your first name last name and your address And they're giving four tests per households. So if you are a little paranoid about sickness like me, um, I'm I'm a teeny tiny bit of a hypochondriac. Um, You know, at least you'll get four free ones. And that way, apparently they are supposed to arrive in late January. So you guys, be sure to do that. Um, Be sure to get vaccinated if you can and wear a mask. If you can't get vaccinated, wash your hands. Take your vitamins. Uh, be good to everybody. Be kind to yourself. Uh, watch some good movies. And um, uh, I guess the Super Bowl is coming out. I hope your football teams win. Um, I hope that uh, 
is it basketball season? I hope March Madness goes well for y'all. I don't watch basketball anymore. Uh, ever since ever since space original Space Jam, you know that was my era for basketball. But hey, it's a cool game, and uh, just just have fun out there. Be good. Be safe. Be kind to people. And I don't know what else to say. See some movies. Love you guys. Thank you for listening. And thank you for liking and subscribing and supporting us. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, as always, guys, for liking, commenting, subscribing, sharing. Um, our DMs are always open. You can slide right in. We don't mind having you. Um, so uh, we do appreciate each and every one of you. Um, you know, I say this every week. Please drink your water. You you have to stay hydrated. It is so essential. Um, I ride my mom's ass all the time about drinking water. I will ride your guys' ass about it, too. Please drink your water. Um, take your vitamins. Um, eat some warm soup. Good soup. It's a good season to eat soup. Uh, good soup. Good soup. Uh, so, I personally like pho. It's my favorite. Um, pet a cat. Pet a dog. Animal therapy is good. Uh, watch a movie. You know, you don't have to watch anything serious. Watch something that makes your heart feel good. Uh, listen to your favorite song. Um, self-care is very, very important. Uh, I especially like to preach that in those winter months. Um, and as always, guys, we just look forward to seeing you next week. Same spoopy time. Same spoopy channel. Stay spoopy, y'all. Night, everybody. Sweet dreams, guys. Be safe. Bye. The Grindhouse Girls Podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Lord Craig. Our editor is N.R. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. 